en een hartelike goeie morgen, welkom by ons program Skriftierlik, waar ons wekelijk saam na oplossing soek uit die skrifte, vervra waarmee gewone mense sikkel. Die Bijbel sê in Johannes 17, 17, jy woord is waarheid, heilig hulle na jy woord, en Psalm 119, 105 sê, jy woord is een lamp vir my voete en een licht vir my pad. Kom dan saam met ons vir die volgende uur, wanneer ons geen steen onaangeraag laat om die waarheid te vind en licht te schijn op die vraag uit die skrifte waarmee ek en jy moendlik kan worstel nie. Krijg dus gauw jou bybel en kom onderzoek saam met ons die skrifte. Dis moes nou skrifteerlik. From your ear, to your heart, to your mouth, to your feet. Join this life on 657 AM. That's where you tuned in a warm hearted good morning to you. Trust to find you well wherever you are this morning. Indeed, a privilege to be in your company. What a good voorrecht om saam met jou te kan keire. Allow me to just greet you on the languages that I possibly can. Abosheni, Molweni, Dumilang, Sanbonani, Kujani. Trust to find you well. And then to my brother in Christ, uh, Pastor Rocky Stevens. And Rocky, good morning. How are you keeping? Morning. Very well. Thank you, Vainant. Lovely to be here. Yeah, wonderful. We uh, bless the heart of God uh, protected you all the way from Benoni and uh, he the tip of the spear so to speak we've asked the Lord to lead us this morning and what we do we do to his glory so die program skrifteerlik enige iets wat iemand gevraagd uit die bybel iets gesê iets kwijt geraak wat glad nie vir jou sin maak nie en jy soek antwoorde op jou vraag this is the place uh, to go to this is the program to listen to if you've been struggling with God's word and maybe not understanding the word of the Lord and somebody said something somewhere, somehow, that you need an answer to. Well, uh, I've got a friend down in Port Elizabeth that says let's leave no stone unturned to find the truth. God is not confused about his word, but we sometimes struggle. Get a pen and paper ready. You have to send in your questions via WhatsApp away to 657 so let's get on with it. Nine after eleven this morning. And as you saw last night for the first time, by a welcome. It's lekker om for you on board to come. Susan, good morning. Say, good morning, Pastor. Good morning, Wijnand. Susan, good morning on you. Bye. Thank you for the pipe program. And Pastor, can you as a believe help? Welcome to the study of the book of Open Barang. Rocky, can we start with? Susan's question yes, this morning? Yes, we can, definitely. Um, Susan, good morning, good to hear from you. Um, I, I would recommend uh, very highly Kurt Skelly. You can actually search for him online. Kurt Skelly is spelled K-U-R-T Skelly, S-K-E-L-L-Y dot com. And you'll be able to find, he's got something called Everyday Truth. And he's got the live archives that are available there or his archives, where you can go and see. He did a sentence-by-sentence, word-for-word, verse-by-verse exposition, like a daily podcast through the book of Revelation, and he did an excellent job, a most excellent job of that. And so I would highly, highly recommend him to you. And he actually came up to Benoni Bible Church, I believe it was now two years back, 
and did our um, ministry leadership conference. And he's just what an excellent brother that man is. And then as far as a book goes, there's a, a book called Understanding End Time Prophecies that's written by Paul N. Benoit, and it's forwarded by Charles Ryrie. And so it's called Understanding End Time Prophecies. So that's a helpful book to read. So I hope that's helpful to you. What's difficult about Revelation is that there's Oftentimes, people come at it from a different perspective than a literal figure, a, a literal historical, grammatical, consistent view regarding the hermeneutic of that. And Kurt Scally is really one of the most excellent men I've heard explaining the Book of Revelation. So, have a look at that, and hopefully, that's helpful. Just that spelling on Kurt again. It's K U R T. So K U R T, yeah. and then Skelly S K E L L Y. Dot right. com. So and you'll be able to find him there, KurtScally.com, and he's got archives there, or rather archives, not archives, um, on, and, and it's called Everyday Truth, and he has a live, daily, everyday truth kind of a podcast, and he's brilliant. Right, Susan, I hope this for your answer. Kurt Skelly, gaan kijk op die informatie over en baie dankie ook dan vir die vraagie wat jy ingestuur het. Net weer eens, 12 minuten oor 11, skrif tierlik die naam van die program. As jy vraag het, ons vat nie voice notes nie, ons vat nie oproepen nie, jy moet jou vraagie uittek, stuur het op WhatsApp en as jy kan, sit vir ons die skrifgedeelte by, so dat dit net een bykie makkelijker is vir Rocky en myself om vinnig na die skrifgedeelte toe te gaan. Also tackle lifestyle questions. As you vraag het oor die hevelik kinders groot maak, en dies meer, baie, baie welkom asseblief uh, om die vraag dan net in te stuur. Rocky, another question that we got, we currently working here at Radio Pulpit through the Bible reading plan, and uh, we're working through the book of Leviticus. There's a lot of offerings in Leviticus. I want to take you to Leviticus, I think it's chapter 7 and verse 6 that we got a question on, on all the offerings before the Lord. And if you look at those offerings, some strange offerings, I think of the the wave offering in Afrikaans, the beweeg offer. What are the purpose? I think there's six of them, if I'm not mistaken. Can you just touch on them briefly? And, and what are the purpose? I know ultimately it's to bring glory to God, but some of them just doesn't make sense. Why do yeah. we have that? What was the purpose of those offerings? Yeah, um, then Leviticus, I think it's 7 verse 36 to 38. It will be good to read it. It says there, the Lord commanded this to be given them by the people of Israel from the day that he anointed them. It is a perpetual due throughout their generation. So there in verse 36, it shows part of the purpose of these offerings was to show Israel as a holy nation that was separate from all of the other nations of the world. They would take part in this throughout their generations to show that they are people that are separated and meant to be for his worship alone. They were a theocratic nation under God. And then it says from verse 37, this is the law of the burnt offerings, of the grain offerings, of the sin offerings, of the guilt offering, of the ordination offering, and of the peace offering. Now that wave offering fits into that ordination offering where there would be a a wave, it would literally be waved in the air. Some of it would actually be eaten by the priests and the rest of it would actually be consumed by fire. And then it says, which the Lord commanded Moses on Mount Sinai on the day that he commanded the people of Israel to bring their offerings to the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai. So this was a, a very critical point of what the worship, the Old Testament worship of the people of Israel would be consistent 
16 of these various offerings that would be brought, and each one of them would be something of a minor picture of what it would be of the Lord Jesus Christ and his final offering before the Father. And as you go through these various offerings, it's helpful to understand what they would be for. Now, this would be very critical for the people of Israel, and that was very much part of their daily routine as such, and their yearly routine. And there would be different offerings given at different times um, in the life of Israel, but also in the life of the individual worshiper of the Lord. The, the first one that is mentioned is the burnt offering. And the burnt offering it actually means to ascend because they would take this and it would be literally burned up and it would go up in smoke. It is sometimes called a smoke offering before the Lord. And this would ascend to God. It would be a soothing aroma to the Lord, Leviticus one nine, And uh, technically any burnt offering over the altar was burnt um, to the Lord and this would go up to is him. It, it the would same, ascend to him. Is it the same way as we do a barbecue, as we do brayflex? Uh, uh, not, uh, not exactly because it would be completely consumed so yeah, it wouldn't be right. dried like a bob like that it would actually be put onto the flame and and most of it would go up in in smoke all in right. many respects okay and and it's cremated effect, so to speak yeah, you, you could think like um the first times that we've seen this could very very likely be there in genesis chapter four when you've got abel that offers a sacrifice right. like that yeah, that would yeah. be something like that genesis chapter nine um later on where you see um you know as noah comes off the ark and he offers a sacrifice so yeah. you've got tastings of this, or let's say foretastes of what this would be like in in the Genesis account. All right. But this was something that mankind would bring before God and would actually be to renew the relationship that there was between holy God and sinful man. Yeah. And it was part of that, the wages of sin is death. And the fact that now God would be appeased by, in a sense, that death, and it would be a foretaste of what Christ would be before God as that final offering um, before him. And so if you want to read more about it, you'd find it in Leviticus chapter 1 or Leviticus 6 verse 8 to 13 also describes that traditional kind of burnt offering that Israel would bring. And they would bring, now you'd have different animals that would be be brought and Israel would bring a bull or a sheep or a goat, a even male, pigeons. even pigeons, and they yeah. would kill it at the entrance of the tabernacle because this was centered around tabernacle worship where God had tabernacled with his people Israel. And it showed the fact that there was, um, you know, God was with his people, a dangerous God in many respects. He needed to be appeased through this because man had been sinful and they needed to be made right with God and they need a way to be made right with God. Now, these offerings would cover the sin but they would not take away the sin and it would always point to the fact that they needed a perfect sacrifice that would end up taking away the sin of the of the world and so it always pointed towards the lord jesus the 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 animal's blood would be drained and then the priest would sprinkle blood around the altar and the animal would then be skinned and also cut into pieces and then the intestines and the legs would be washed and the priest would burn the pieces on the altar and and that would be all of all of the night all right and so you'd have that smoke you'd have that smell you'd have that throughout the camp of israel just reminding the people that the wages of sin is death and that they need to they need to be made right with holy god and then the priest would receive the skin as a fee actually for his help and this was one of the ways that the lord would even provide for the for the levites was through these the offering system what we need to remember is that israel was a theocratic nation that existed under God and that priestly tribe, which is the Levites, would often be provided for even through the offering system. And that would form 
something of like the taxation. If we're talking of a tithe, that's not just a 10%, but more like a 23.5% that would be given. And some of the ways in which they would be provided for would even be through the, the offering. So a turtle dove, a pigeon, like you said, would also be sacrificed, though they weren't skinned. And a person could give a burnt offering at any time. It was a, a sacrifice of a general atonement between yeah. them and God, and also an acknowledgement of the sin nature that they they had and the fact that God has a holy nature and that they need to be made right in relationship with God. So God also set aside times where the priests would give a burnt offering for the benefit of all of Israel as a whole. But an Israelite could bring a burnt offering at any time based on where they were with God and their relationship. That second offering was the grain offering. So that's also interesting in that it's not a blood offering. Yeah, yeah. But the grain offering was a type of sacrifice that is described in the Old Testament in Leviticus chapter 2. And that, that the Israelites would then offer to God as well. And a grain offering would have, it, it would usually be something that would be like wheat or barley. And it would depend on what was available. Wheat and barley grew at different times in Israel. So Isn't it amazing if you think they in the desert, where could they grow wheat? And yet yep. God says bring weed as an offering, isn't it? Yeah, or barley, yeah. wheat, you know? barley, a grain offering in that sense, and 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 you know they would they would bring this before the Lord. And and look, Israel would have also been trading even during their wilderness wanderings. They would be also trading with nations that were around. around them. They okay. would be buying from right. people that were around. I mean, they were forty years in the wilderness. They yeah. didn't just. I mean, they were almost. They'd say maybe two plus million people yeah. in the wilderness. And um, they would have people that would go out and trade. And you would see that they actually had interaction with the nations around them because they started to do some of the same idol worship as the nations yeah, around them, yeah, which God yeah, punished them yeah, for. Yeah. And so it, we, we battled to actually think through how that all worked out. But, yes, the, the Lord required from them a grain offering. And some, sometimes it was barley, sometimes it was wheat. And they would bring this before the Lord. In Leviticus 2 verse 1, you can see this in also verse 4 to 5. And the requirement of the grain offerings were that it would it had to be finely ground as well as that it would have oil and salt in it and then it also was something that would never have yeast in it and it couldn't have honey in it and so you'd have a very specific um, laid out kind Why? of way in which this was to be brought it was to be brought to god not just that it was wheat or barley but it had to be brought finely ground with some salt in it with some oil yeah. in it but no honey no yeast and none of that it was, yeast, a, it was also a, mirror, a picture of, of sin yes in, a picture of that kind of like infected with type of thing and then yeah, the yeah. rest of the grain offering also was used for the priests because some of it would be used as an offering to god and some of it would be put even with frankincense and so it would almost if you can picture it almost being something like a an incense almost oh, right. yeah, like yeah. that but then some of it would be given to the priests and some of it could be cooked some of it could be actually raw and you see that in leviticus 2 verse 10 so the lord even through that grain offering provides some of the needs of the priests yeah. and so there's no specific amount of grain that was required for an offering and people were free to give actually what they had and so that was seen as most holy and a food offering to the lord leviticus 2 verse 10 yeah. this grain offering would often be presented after the burnt offering, and so there would be an order for these different offerings that were given. And you actually think about some of the ways in which our Lord, even through his I am statements through John, would say things like, I am the bread of life. And, you know, he gives himself as a offering and as a, a sacrifice. Now, in New Testament terms, when you think of, of us as, as individuals, we're called to be living sacrifices unto the Lord, Romans 12. And so 
there's a different system in the New Testament where our whole body is to be given to the glory of the Lord. We are the temple of the Lord. Yeah. And that's in the context. We of, sometimes of, tend to forget that. Eh? Yes. I mean, the context mm. in particular, there is sexual immorality, 1 Corinthians mm. 6. But we, we're to be a holy people. We're to, you know, 1 Corinthians 10, we're to do all that we do, whether we eat or drink or whatever we do to the glory of God. Yeah. And so there's that sense where in the New Testament sense, as New Testament and, and New Covenant saints, we are all six of these offerings in one in a sense because of the the perfect offering of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then we move from that grain offering to the sin offering. And the sin offering was a sacrifice that was made according to the Mosaic law and was provided an atonement for sin. And the, the As Hebrew much as phrase, you've broken some of the laws. Yes, okay. yes. And, right. and I mean, the, the Hebrew phrase for sin offering literally means a fault offering. So if yeah. there's this fault that's found in you, you then bring the sin offering. It was made for the sins committed in ignorance in particular, as well as the un, the, you know, like the sins that you would do when, which were unintentional. And we're all, we all have those kind of sins where you stump your toe and you get angry when you, you know, you kick the dog, but you don't even have a dog. But, you know, the, the, the sins that are almost unintentional, that are just part of that human nature aspect that we yeah, fleshly yeah. as human beings. And so the ritualistic method of the sin offering and the animal to be uh, offered actually varied depending on the status of the sinner. So this was even seen in regard to how much money did you own, what type it, it ought to have felt, you know, so you would feel it. But, for example, a high priest, if he sinned, he uh, unintentionally, he would offer a young bull. But then a king or a prince would offer a young male goat. And then people in the private sector would offer a young female goat or a lamb. And unless they were very poor or too poor, and it, so then they would bring, if they were quite poor, turtle doves or pigeons. And so you'd have a different yeah. kind of an offering depending on I your status. Thing, yeah. And there was, if you want to look at some of the details of that, you can see it in Leviticus chapter 4 or Numbers chapter 15. So again, the sin offering was sacrificed when a person sinned unintentionally or broke some of the Lord's commandments and then later realized their guilt. And then you see that in Leviticus 4, 27. And so part of this was just them seeing, I've been guilty and I need to be made right with God and I've unintentionally sinned. And that's that's different to some of the other offerings. And then you have the guilt offering. That's the next kind of an offering. And you see kind of this hierarchical structure almost of these offerings. And that was also known as the trespass offering. And so that's when there was now an intentional kind of a sin. The guilt offering. Yes, mm. the, the guilt offering. And that's described for us in Leviticus 5, verse 14 to 19, as well as in chapter 7, verse 1 to 7, as well as in chapter 14, verse 12 to 18. And there's two particular instances that that would, that, that would require this kind of a guilt offering as described in Leviticus 19, 20 to 22. And there you find it that if a man slept with a slave that was engaged to another man, and so it's quite, quite a, a large kind of a sin in a sense, you find that this offering was brought into place. And you see also in Numbers 6 verse 9 to 12, if a Nazarite was accidentally violating his vows, you remember that Samson yeah, was yeah. a Nazarite, yeah, yeah. and he had vows. If he, if he had broken some of those vows, he would bring this kind of an offering. Um, it was a confession kind of a sin offering in that sense, or um, or rather a trespass offering, not to be confused with a sin offering. I think that if you see something of what happened with Bathsheba after David and she went through a cleansing period, she would have brought something like a guilt offering because of the fact that she had been with King David. Um, the trespass or guilt offering was required when a person um, 
violated some of the holy things of God. And then you have something called the ordination offering. This was a bit different as well, and that was when the priest was ordained, when he was set apart as holy and mm. separate, and you find that in Exodus 29, verse 1. That's Afrikaans, the, the ordination offering is the Vedans offering. That's yeah, where we wave, get... The wave offering, yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes, and part of that actually would even be eaten um, by the priests that were that were being ordained. I've recently preached through some of that in my Exodus series at Benoni Bible Church in the morning services. So if you want to go and look up that, you can see that's that on, on, our, on our YouTube. You oh. can find it on Exodus 29.1. And, and that's where the priests were ordained. And there was a specific ordination offering that was to take place for them. And then you have the peace offering was the next one. The peace offering was the only sacrifice where worshippers themselves could actually eat part of it. You'd have with that ordination offering, you'd have some of the priests would be part of eating some of that. But then with this next peace offering, the actual worshippers could have part of that and they could take part in some of the sacrifice that was given. And it was only part of the animal and and even some of the grain that was offered up that they could have and take part in. Yeah. So they would have, that would be very similar to kind of what we have with the Lord's Supper, in a sense, that they would take part in this meal as well. And Leviticus 7 verse 11 to 18 puts that out for us there. And it was also known as a fellowship offering because they were taking part in it. And so they were able to fellowship um, with with this this actual offering that was brought to the Lord. And they would have it at the sanctuary and consume it. Um, a, a voluntary sacrifice also that was brought to the Lord was this fellowship offering. It was voluntary in the sense that God gave them specific instances where they could do this. For example, the, this peace offering could be given as a free will offering from the people of Israel, meaning that the worshiper was giving the, this peace offering as a way of saying thank you to the Lord as they sought um, as they received the generosity of God, so they give this generously to the Lord, and then they would take part in this, and others would take part in their offering as well. And it was basically just a way of saying, we praise you, Lord, for your goodness yeah, to yeah, us. And that was yeah. this fellowship offering. And so this offering wasn't so much for sin, but it was more for thankfulness yeah. before the Lord. And so each one of these different offerings would have a different purpose in the life of Israel, but in particular would show this is a holy nation, this nation was set apart for God's praise, and they would have they would have a life that was lived to the glory of the Lord. And that would be the major purpose behind these six different offerings. For us as New Testament saints, we have our Lord Jesus Christ as the perfect offering of God, and now we ourselves are an offering to the Lord. All right. And so it's more than just tabernacle worship where you have a center point where you come to worship the Lord. You now have your whole life is to be to the worship of yeah. the Lord, and your life is to be to his praise. Ab- absolutely amazing, Rocky. It's a river of blood flowing through the tabernacle, isn't it? Mm. Leading up to Christ being slaughtered for us on Calvary. Yeah. But it's an absolute river of blood. I, I can just imagine on a daily basis around that tabernacle, so many animals being slaughtered and, and all for the glory of God. Yeah. You, you, made a, you made a very profound statement. I don't even know if you realize what you said. You, you said uh, it is... It is, it is a dangerous God. Yes. He's not to be messed with. He is a dangerous God, and Indeed. it's revealed through that, isn't it? It is, and, and, and this is the most marvelous reality, is that through the curtain, we we have now come to the to the Father, and that's through the curtain of the flesh of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. And, and that's why we can actually now be living sacrifices to him. And this is Romans 12, and let me read that, Romans 12, 1 to 2, which says, Therefore I exhort you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a sacrifice, living, holy, and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual 
service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may approve what the will of God is, that which is good and pleasing and perfect. Yeah. And so as New Testament saints, we now are living sacrifices unto the Lord. That's no longer that tabernacle worship of the Old Testament, yeah. but because of Christ our Lord, we have entered into that very holy of holy places. And that's why that temple curtain was torn from top to bottom when our Lord Jesus died at the cross yeah, yeah. and that earthquake happened yeah. is because we now have been brought near. And so this dangerous God that we once had to, I mean, you couldn't even go into the Holy of Holies. The no, high priest would go in once a year. Mm. We're now able to come with boldness into his presence because of what our Lord Jesus Christ achieved for us. And so he is that prime, or he is that fulfillment, that center point of yeah. what those six sacrifices were pointing towards. You need a savior. But he, savior he is still Jesus. a dangerous God. If Indeed. you mess with Indeed. him, I came across a scripture in Psalm 7 and verse 12. My Bible says, He is a rechtvaardige rechter, a God, wat elke dag toornig is, a God that's angry every day because of the sins of the world and people not adhering to, to his word. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a frightening scripture. Indeed. I mean, Hebrews 12, verse 28 to 29 says a similar thing. It says, therefore, since we have received a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service yeah. with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Wow. So you just think now of our our New Testament worship, which yeah. is meant to be all of us for him who gave all of himself for us. Yeah. It's not just a Sunday thing yeah. for us as Christians. It's, it's a, an seven everyday days a week, thing, 24 seven hours days a, day. a week. Yeah. And what we do on the Lord's Day when we assemble as, as a body of believers is we just have a culmination of a week-long worth of worship. Yeah. That's what we have when we yeah. come together. It's not that we're worshiping for the first time on the first day of the yeah. week. Yeah. We are worshiping this great God who we've been worshiping Monday through to Saturday. A consuming fire. Do yeah. you know this God? Have you got a relationship with him? Yeah. You know, somebody said the other day, when you die, it's, it's, it's this all about, uh, you know, the, Destination, destination, destination. It's all about where will you end up. Do you have the answer to that? And the Bible only talks about two destinations. Either you're in hell or either you're in heaven with God. Uh, do you know the answer to that question? Have you made that decision? Right. Uh, we've got also got to play some music. Uh, Ikaza says we have to adhere. I've got any Amos on the turntable, a song called The Beauty of Holiness. Isn't that special? Isn't that the beautiful this time of the morning? 082 7279 yeah, what an incredible song. Ernie Amos there, Beauty of Holiness. Bringing sacrifices of praise unto our Lord through the program scriptural. Scriptural, tot en met 12 uur vanmorgen. Son my in the atelier, die, well, pastoor Rocky Stevenson van Benoni Bible Church. And he's with me in studio. Baie dankie, as jy vraag wil instuur, 0826572729, 0826572729. 
Jakobus hier is volgende aan die beerd, hy sê morgen weinand Rakkie verduidelik groot asjeblief die toering van Babel. Die mense sou sekerlik nie tot in die hemel kon bou nie, of verstaan ek het verkeerd? Uh, Kobus, wat daar uh, die vraag vir ons gevraagd, Rocky, how's the Afrikaans there? Are you yeah, no, no, wonderful. Right, um, wonderful. Yeah, Kobus, that's such a wonderful, I often think about the Tower of Babel because you see the way that mankind actually desires to disobey God even after the flood. And it's quite a, a sad reality. And And you can't actually imagine the kind of technology that these people must have had because they had one language, they were passing down information. You'll remember that Noah and his three sons had built that ark over 120 years. And it seems that Noah took his time with that because he was a preacher of righteousness. And so this information gets passed down to these generations. And instead of going and filling the earth, in other words, dividing up from each other and procreating and filling the earth, they they huddle together. And instead of letting God's name be great, they seek to make a name great for themselves. And so in pride, they puff themselves up again. Can I ask you a question, Rocky? Mm. Isn't it the very much the same nowadays? Exactly. The, the people moving from the rural areas, coming to the city, and we congregate together. Yeah, yeah. And we stu- I, I was amazed when we visited um, Dubai, for example, and yeah. we went to the Burj Khalifa. Yeah. And I think we went up to like the 122nd floor or something of the Burj Khalifa. You could almost see the earth starting to curve oh, right. <laughs> when you're up yeah. there. And and you just, you know, it was fascinating to me because they've got these little places. We went on a tour for the Burj Khalifa and the amount of the nations that came together to build that building, which is the world's tallest building yeah, yeah, at the yeah. moment. Um, I just found it like almost like this reversal of this desire of the Tower of Babel. Right. There's actually this, this app that's called Babel even that's out now to help you understand different languages. It's amazing yeah, that people yeah, are yeah. doing this type of stuff <laughs> even in our day. And, and even what you see in Acts chapter 2 when these people spoke with tongues and they spoke the languages of the world at that time, yeah. there was almost this reversal that the Lord did saying, in my church, I'm going to have people from every tribe, every tongue, every, every nation, nation yes. that will worship me. And they will all be gathered before the throne. That desire that mankind had to be one people, one nation, etc., God is the one that fulfills that within the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the, the passage in question is, is Genesis 11 verse 6, where it says, And Yahweh said, Behold, because it actually... This is what's amazing about this thing. These people think they're building this marvelous tower, and it's almost ironic because in verse 5 it says, Then Yahweh came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. It's almost as though God couldn't even see it from heaven, but their desire was to get to heaven. So he had to come down to look at this puny little tower that mankind was building for man's these own little glory. F- wax you know, figurines. He's like, yes, you know, like, like I'm going to have to come down to actually see this. I can't even see it from heaven, but yeah. let me come and see what it is. But then it's, it's verse 6 that gets a lot of people hung up where it says, And Yahweh said, Behold, they are one people, and they have the same language, and this is what they have begun to do. So now nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. So people say, Oh, they desire to get to heaven, and um, you can actually go look up things called ziggurats because a lot of the and, – and, I mean, here's where we see how the world at that time, I believe that you can see the evidence of the splitting of God from the Tower of Babel all over the world. You can go check this out, and you'll see pyramids all around the world from ancient peoples. And some of today's people are saying, oh, that's, that's because there were aliens that came down and made them do this. The people of the ancient world were so f- sophisticated, 
I almost said sophisticated, uh, sophisticated, <laughs> and they, they built these things called ziggurats. And you yeah. can see this in South America. You can see it in China. You can see it in Argentina. You and can it's see all it, on the same it's basis. all around, and it all looks the same way. And it's yeah. amazing the trigonometry that yeah. was based on that. I mean, we've lost maths based on those things. And so people went around the world, and they sought to do a similar thing to a Tower of Babel. Uh, all around the world at that time. And they actually, God split them up. So it was part of their rebellion in refusing to obey God's word, which was to go, therefore, and procreate and fill the earth and go and subdue the world. Instead, they are in fear, huddled together, and they decided, let's build the Tower of Babel, which I believe is where we have Babylon today, which is north of Baghdad um, in Iraq. And, and I mean, that's where you can see this, the world is heading back to that in Revelation. So in Revelation, you'll have the rebuilding of the Tower of Babel. We had a question about the book of Revelation earlier. I believe that, that Babylon itself will be rebuilt one day, like we've had Jerusalem somewhat oh, rebuilt and the temple will, will be rebuilt. You'll have Babylon rebuilt and it will be something like a Dubai, which yeah. I mean, Dubai within 20 years went from just dirt to a, a, an amazing to, yeah. city yeah, yeah. in that, that respect. And it, and, and it will be something of the center of the world again. So the answer simply is no, they would have never been able to reach heaven in that sense. But what God did in his kindness in bringing about the judgment of the different languages and in confusing them was keeping them from this, from this place of self-reliance where they would not look to God. And so he, in his mercy, gives them these confused languages, which causes them to split up. And, and think about this in our country. We have a lot of racial tension. What, what we see biblically that brings about a divide, and the Proverbs talk of this as well, is when somebody speaks a different language, they become a foreigner to you. When you yeah. don't understand the person, that's when it becomes difficult. It's not actually so much skin color or skin tone or how much melanin you have in your skin. When you don't understand somebody speaking, that's what becomes a difficulty. And oftentimes you have a superiority complex when you speak a certain language. And that's why we'll say that in heaven everybody's going to talk English, right? Because the Engels <laughs> speak Engels. You know, because we have a superiority complex yeah. about the language that we're part of. And there's a, there's a level where sometimes it can be a good kind of patriotic um, view of the language that we speak. But other times you can see that it actually brings about a divide. And yeah. that's what happens back at Genesis chapter 11. You use the word Genesis. I'm thinking genocide uh, on the continent yes. of Africa, yes. Rwanda, the Hutis, Tutsis. Yes. Uh, we're all Africans. Yes. So we, and but, in but that case, language. they would they wouldn't yes. know who to kill unless um, you have spoken. I mean, even if you think about the xenophobia, which yeah. um, that's a whole different concept where yeah. we get the word xenoph from, which was Alexander the Great's uncle, which is a very interesting story because he actually wrote a book about how to kill Persians. And that's where we get that term xenophobia from um, because you speak a different language. The Persians yeah. spoke a different language to the Greeks. And wow. so the Greeks saw themselves as superior mm. to the Persians. And Xenoph writes this book about how to kill Persians, which Alexander the Great read. And then he got, he got really good at killing Persians and took over the Persian Empire. But um, yeah, in South Africa, even, you have our different, I mean, 14 national languages, right? Yeah. 14? Yeah, yeah. Um, and 11. Um, Oh, sorry, eleven, 11 official 11 plus language. twelve with uh, sign language. There, there we yeah. go. I knew you'd. I knew you'd get it right. <laughs> um, and uh, and I mean, here we'll have people even asking some of the foreigners that come from Zim or from Malawi speak uh, speak a bit of Zulu because we want to yeah. hear if you can speak actually, if I can see you. you know, see if you know, speak if I can see you. Yeah. And um and and there's xenophobia even there because yeah. of the language yeah. and the language barrier. And that's back to Genesis eleven. And it's only in Christ. 
that we as a people group are brought together and we have brothers and sisters all around the world in different languages. It's such a joy when you're even with somebody who can't understand your language. Like I was uh, visiting, um, it was somewhere in Joburg. I can't remember exactly. I had some of the missionaries from Zambia with me and we were looking for something and we went to one of these stores that was a Chinese store um, and this lady had a Bible open there on the on the counter and it was just amazing to see like yeah we can we can talk to this lady who doesn't even understand english but she's got a bible in front of her and because she has christ as her lord we're now the same people once more wonderful bless your heart kubis bye donkey for a wonderlijke vraag and i hope ons and i just love the way that rocky says and god had to come down look at these puny humans in their little brick building and 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 in spite of that, and then God scatters them all over the earth. I, I I would love, I would have loved to have just been a fly on the wall. And the one moment you can chat to the dude and say, "Pass me a brick." <laughs> the next moment, you know, in the theater of yeah. the mind, it just yeah. it just explodes. And, yes. you know, and he speaks French to you. You say, "Huh?" Yeah. You know. And have you noticed how much of the issues that we have today, with yeah. like the social justice, the critical race theory, all of these? things, things it's all this desire of mankind to get back to the tower of babel yeah instead of wanting to get back to a right walk with the lord man wants to actually have his greatness be that which is on display you know listen to verse 4 of genesis 11 and they said come let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into heaven and let us make for ourselves a name lest we be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Yeah. It's like this desire to be great in our own eyes. And that's exactly what mankind does apart from the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, we see it last day's prophecy, uh, lovers of self. Ne? And we see it all over the place. Kom eens baie dankie vir a baie interessante vraag. As jy a vraag wil instuur, 0826572729. Jy sal vir jou moet roer, want die tijd is bezig om vir ons in te haal. Baie, baie dankie. En ieder en elke wat deelneem aan die program, Roxanne, jy is volgende. And she's got a very interesting question. Uh, I, I've got a feeling we're going to step out onto thin ice here, but let's go for it. And uh, as as the Bible says, we're sticking to the Word of God. Uh, sanctify us by your Word, Lord. She says, "Is there a difference between idols and orthodox icons?" Rocky, what do we answer? I I think that that I'll give a careful answer because we're on air, um, but we. There, there is very little difference because oftentimes what has happened with the Orthodox icons as well as the saints that are part of let's worship say the, nowadays, you know, yeah. saint worship, yeah, if saint you want worship, to call it that. Yeah. What, what ended up happening is when, when the church became the persecutor, um, in a sense, instead of being the persecuted, and that was around 430 AD, you have Constantine, um, who's a Roman empire, emperor, and he had an army that he was actually outnumbered double to one. And constant, there was a bit of a civil war within the Roman Empire yeah. at that time. And he had a dream at night that he should paint white crosses onto the shields of his of his military, oh, right. which he actually did in the end. And his mother was a professing Christian, um, Catherine, who's actually the one that 
declared Mount Sinai in oh, Sinai all these holy places in the Middle East. You know, yeah, she, yeah. she did a tour of the Holy yeah, yeah. Land and she declared that's the Mount Sinai, which I don't believe biblically is the Mount Sinai. The Mount Sinai that I believe biblically was Hebrews the, 4. There actually yeah. is the one that's across in Jabal Allah's in Arabia. Southern, yeah, South, uh, Saudi Arabia yeah. in that area. But um, but anyway, he painted these crosses onto his shield, and, and I might be off with my dating a little bit, but I think it was around 430 AD, somewhere there. And um, and he paints them on, and his army wins the battle the next day. And so Constantine becomes Christian, and yeah. he ch- he changes the whole Roman Empire into a a Roman Catholic empire, All right. uh, basically. And, and it adopts Christianity as the state religion. And so the church becomes now the persecutor because they started to arrest those that were pagans and those that were, were false not religions, of the belief. Et yeah. Now, what they did at that point is a lot of the holy festivals just got changed with Christian festivals, All right. including the, the time around the 24th, 25th, 26th of December, uh, Saturnalia, that, that whole festival yeah. that got changed to Christmas-type time. And the, the different pagan festivals got turned into christianized kind of festivals and so the same thing happened with some of the roman gods just got changed over to become christian saints and then the orthodox church actually split from from this because of the the um the the latin vulgate which was jerome translated the latin vulgate and there was a the first real let's say church split was between the east and the west constantinople was the eastern orthodox center today's istanbul which if you go and travel turkey and that area you'll see that many of the old eastern orthodox churches are now mosques in that area Mm -hmm. and so it's a very fascinating history but what the eastern orthodox did is that they would have these um these different icons that were set up in place of the saints that were set up in the western church and that was oftentimes as a result of these idol worship stuff that happened in before yeah. that now just got changed for these new kind of icons or the saints. All right. And so that's that's in short the kind of history that happened there. The Bible talks about the traditions of yes, men. The traditions that's of men, the yeah. things that we set up that uh, that that we what is a nice know, thing to do today becomes a tradition tomorrow and yes. day after that it's a, yeah. a worship idol isn't and there's, it? there's great freedom that we have in the lord jesus christ to be to be free from all of those things yeah. and to actually be a people that are holy unto him now i mean i would say part of what paul says i think it's in first corinthians 10 regarding food that's offered to idols is that there are no idols you know there's everything belongs to the lord but if you know that that food actually was offered to an idol, rather, you know, stay away from it. And I think that would be the wisdom element of these these things, is when you know in your conscience that it's wrong for you to have an icon or to have a saint that you now go to instead of Christ, our Lord, and, and that saint starts to have some of the elements that's only found in the Lord Jesus or the Holy Spirit or the Word of God, then it's to reject that and to yeah. just go to what God has given us within his word. Right. Uh, bye, thank you, Roxanne. Hope that makes uh, sense to you. And thank you for a very interesting uh, question. Rocky, you will not believe it, but time has caught up completely with us. It is the end of this program, 12 o'clock, uh, the latest news. Uh, Sibongile bringing you the latest news. But as for here and now, Rocky, you wanted to say yeah, something? My, my dating, I just looked it up quickly, 312. AD, not uh, not 430. So right. I was off by a good um, 
hundred years or so. <laughs> and somebody would have uh, taken you up on that too because we urge our listeners to go and search the scriptures, yeah. make sure that what you hear on this radio station, the Word of God says, uh, it talks about Acts seventeen eleven. those in Thessalonica, uh, and, and, and it says to go and search the scriptures daily. They received the Word with gladness, but mm. then it says this, and they search the scriptures daily to see mm. if these things are so. Mm. And then Jerome translated uh, the Bible in around 342 to 347, somewhere around right. there see, into still, Latin Vulgate. Yeah, see, he's still checking up, making yeah. sure that what we share with you is indeed written and is indeed history and is indeed a truth. Ultimately, it's God's Word, the highest authority known unto mankind. Rocky, if somebody wants you to write to your email, be in touch with you. Uh, where do they get all of your email address, please? Pastor at BenoniBibleChurch.co.za Pastor at BenoniBibleChurch.co.za If you like what you're hearing, you can also listen uh, in G- almost a GNT. Good news time. That is uh, Mondays to Fridays at quarter past eight. He's got an insert called Let's Talk. And uh, memorable Mondays, fabulous Fridays, theological, uh, is it uh, th- Thursdays? Uh, technical Thursdays technical and th- fantastic uh, Friday. Yeah, and uh, theological uh, Thursdays as well. So, uh, you can catch him there as well, Pastor Rocky Stevenson. All that's left to say is look after yourself. Thank you so much for those who send in questions. You determine the pace of the program. Baie dankie gaan onderzoekie skrifte. Maak seker dat hierdie dinge so is. En tot de volgende keer. Alwat oorblee om te sê is liefde groete van ons gaan af en shalom.